Good morning, everyone. It's my privilege to read from God's Word today. And the passage is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 18. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labour in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Thank you. I'm going to pray briefly now also. Now, Father, we pray that your word would do its work in our lives. We thank you for the power of your spirit that takes your word and has the capacity to, uh, in that ongoing change which you've already made within us inwardly, transforming us. We pray for that process this morning. Help us not only be hearers of your word, but doers also. Help us to trust and obey. Amen. Uh, Elizabeth, my wife, has some involvement, uh, just a small involvement in a refugee ministry. And recently recently there was a uh, picnic held with a number of different cultures coming together, Iraqi, Egyptian, Arabic, Turkish, Kenyan. And even though I said to Elizabeth I would initially go with her, I was reluctant. I knew that she'd appreciate me going, giving her some support. And while I didn't have to go, I grumbled. I won't know anyone there. What am I going to do? I'll feel awkward and out of place. And yet I came away with great thankfulness for the richness of seeing different cultures uh, together and connecting specifically with some Iraqis. It's natural for me to complain when things don't suit me. This can be true also in friendships and relationships that I have. Thankfully, there are not many things that I deeply regret in my life, and yet there are a few conversations as I think about them that I still feel embarrassed about. Those few conversations concern ungracious words that I said as I gave my point of view about something, only to realise later how deeply I've hurt those people. We've begun a a new year and I wondered, I contemplated at one stage 
that maybe a New Year's resolution, resolution for me could be that I won't grumble. But then I thought, that probably won't last very long, so that's unrealistic. But I thought that would be a good New Year's resolution for you to do. We grumble when we think our perspective would make us happier or be more comfortable for us. And yet we so easily forget that God's concern is actually not our happiness. God is not concerned that we find happiness in life. God's concern is for our maturity and growth in Christ-likeness. In the passage that uh, was read out to it, verses, these verses speak of God's purpose for you. In verse 13, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order for, to fulfill his good purpose. God's purpose is for you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Sometimes we ask, what does God want me to do? What's God's purpose for me? Well, here is the word of God for you today. God's purpose is for you to will and to act, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. When Paul says, continue to work out your salvation, we must be clear, he's not saying to work for your salvation. We're saved through what Christ alone has done, through what he alone has achieved. And as we accept his work, we share in all that Christ's death has accomplished. Our old life, which belongs to this world, this world that is opposed to God, has died. And Christ's life now lives in us. So we are to live out who he has already made us to be. In the first church that I had a pastoral role in, there was a family uh, who literally fostered hundreds of babies. Um, uh, Community services would often ring and they would bring a baby around. The baby may stay for a night, may stay for a few nights, may stay for a number of weeks. Uh, I'm going to call them Johnsons. That's not their real name. But they would be given babies constantly to be cared for. And along with fostering so many babies, they actually adopted two, two young children. Those who were fostered would come and stay on a temporary basis and then they would leave. But the two who were adopted became a permanent part of the household. And over time, the values and the rhythms of the family began to be formed in them. Being adopted meant that they were given a new name. They now actually had a different identity. They were part of the Johnson family. But even after many years of being part of the family, they were still learning to work out what it meant to be a Johnson. If you're a follower of Christ, if you are in him and trust in him, then you are part of his family. Yet we must work on becoming who we already are. 
the section before this, as Paul was writing his letter, talks about uh, or includes what it means to be part of his family. It includes imitating Christ's humility. The verses before this section say, uh, Paul writes, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. To be part of God's people is to live humbly. And to live humbly involves things that we are not to do. Paul says in verse everything, do er, in verse 14, do everything without grumbling or arguing. We heard some great illustrations about that this morning. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. To work out God's work in you involves not grumbling which is in stark contrast to humility. Grumbling shows it's all about me. I'm not happy with the situation. I am at the centre of my thinking. Whereas humility shows it's not about me at all. Christ did not complain when he went to the cross. He didn't say, Father, it's not fair. Why do I have to go? Why couldn't you choose somebody else? You're God. You can do it. How could you let this happen? Don't you care? He didn't complain. He went humbly. Paul said, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Did you hear that word? Do everything. We are called to trust in God even when the situation does not seem to make sense to us. Trust that God is good and present. Certainly there are times when we need to stand up for what is right. But Paul does not allow us to overlook that word. Do everything without grumbling. For grumbling, in its very essence, speaks about distrusting God. Where we, where we are and what's happening, God, it's not right. Where in contrast, gratitude and obedience shows our dependence on God. If you grumble... Maybe some practical things to help could be. And here are four things. Ask God to show you when you grumble so that you actually are conscious of it and you have a choice to stop. Repent 
and ask for an awareness that shows the grumbling is all about me. My focus is on me. Ask God to give you the discipline to actually change and to be thankful instead for something else. And like Jesus, humbly give yourself in a life of service that honours God. Ask God to show you when you grumble. Repent. Ask God to give the discipline to be thankful. And actually choose to follow the Lord Jesus in giving your life in service. So there's something we are not to do as we work out our salvation. But there are also things we are to do. How we live will reflect, actually, who we belong to. Paul writes in verses 14 and 15, Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may, you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. That phrase, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, is a reference back to the children of Israel. As Moses, in the book of Deuteronomy, recounted their history. Chapter 32 of Deuteronomy. They are corrupt and not his children. To their shame, they are a warped and crooked generation. In contrast to the Israelites who grumbled in their lack of trust, those who are in Christ will reflect the one who was working in them. As God's children who have been made holy and blameless inwardly, we're to grow in reflecting the family that we belong to, but reflecting the family outwardly. Uh, before, I've been at Nawi uh, five and a half years now, but before that we are up at uh, Lake Macquarie in, in the church, Toronto. Uh, and one of the drummers in the church had a young son. This is going back quite a few years now. Uh, and he, the young boy's name was Alex, and Alex used to, especially with his father's playing in the service, would love getting up after the service had finished and start just drumming or making a noise. It was lovely to watch. He saw what his father doing and he wanted to do what his father was doing. He imitated his father. And we are called to imitate Jesus. And the result, Paul says, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Then you will, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. A danger for Christians, and I can feel it within myself at different times, a danger for Christian, Christians is that we subtly allow ourselves to be lured into complacency. Thinking that we're part of God's family because of a commitment we made some time in the past. But rather, the evidence that we are in God's family is that we keep working out our salvation with fear and trembling. We keep consciously choosing to reflect Jesus each day. 
And indeed, these verses that Paul uses seems to refer also back to the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, who was an example in the choices that he made. But these verses in Daniel chapter 12 seem to talk about a time even in our future. But how we are to live as we wait for that time. Daniel chapter 12. At that time, Michael the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Amid our society that increasingly marginalises God, as Rachel said, we are called to be different, to be distinctive, to shine, not in a boasting sense, but of being different to those around us. That Christ and the scriptures would so dwell in us that our values and our priorities, the very core of our being, will be distinctive as we live with neighbours and colleagues and family. A powerful example of that, I think, and while they hold a different theology to me, is the Abdallah family. Their focus shines bright with Jesus' mercy and grace in the face of unimaginable adversity that is hard to grasp. Losing three of their children, Anthony, Angelina and Sienna, and their 11-year-old cousin, Veronique, killed by a drunk driver in Oatlands. And yet their response has been one of forgiveness and love and witness in a world that is so self-centred and critical of faith in Jesus, it's been remarkable that they are willing to say they take their stand because of Jesus. Well, Paul, as he encourages to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, tells us what not to do. Don't grumble tells us what we are to do. We imitate Jesus and shine like stars. But he also gives his own life an example, a living example who worked out God's salvation that was at work within him. In verses 16 to 18, And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labour in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul speaks about being poured out like a drink offering. In the sacrificial system for the, the Jews in, uh, in the Old Testament, uh, the offering of an animal or bird was what was integral 
But for some of those sacrifices, a drink offering may also be added. Paul could not give his life as a sacrifice for another person's life. He can only sacrifice his own life. And yet it could be a drink offering. Something that was added on to another person's choice to sacrifice their life, to spur them on. The Apostle Paul, if you are not Jewish in your background, is still our Apostle. The Apostle to the Gentiles. He wants us to keep living in the light of the Lord Jesus' return. And the message of Christ is the grounds for our rejoicing and our perseverance of working out our salvation that will show that we did not believe in vain. But it will also show that Paul was faithful to the message that he received. Uh, Elizabeth was given a book um, before Christmas Uh, It's a book by a guy called Bob Goff. It's called Love Does. Uh, And in the midst of the book, he tells this story uh, of a yacht race every year that goes from Los Angeles to Hawaii. It's called the Transpac Race. And the tradition is no matter where you finish in the race, if the boat finishes, the name and crew of every member on that boat is welcome home and announced. Well, Bob Goff, as he tells his story, said that they'd been 16 days sailing from Los Angeles. And suddenly, as they come into the port, Hawaii, the silence is broken by this booming voice announcing the names of their crew, every member. He said it was like being a head of state being announced. One by one, with great pride in the announcer's voice, announcing their names. And Bob Goff writes, when he, came, when he came to my name, he didn't talk about how few navigation skills he had or the zigzag course that he steered. He didn't tell everyone about the mess-ups that they had made. Instead, he just welcomed each person home like a proud father would. And when he was done, there was a pause in a sincere voice. His last words to the entire crew were these. Friends, it's been a long trip. Welcome home. The Apostle Paul speaks of boasting. Boasting as he hears the Lord Jesus say to you, Welcome home. The Apostle Paul did not run or labour for nothing. He passed on the message he'd received. And as we hold on to that very message which is centred on the Lord Jesus, that is the assurance that we will be welcomed home. We are called to work out our salvation with fear and trembling because of who God is. I began by saying 
God ultimately, primarily, is not interested in us having a happy life. For happiness is determined on our circumstances, which we have no control over and which constantly change. But he is interested in your maturity. And that is what he is working to produce within you. And so I say to myself, and if you want to listen in, you're welcome to. Stop grumbling. Trust that God is good and he knows what is happening. And live your life in such a way that seeks to show who it is who is in you, working his salvation out through you. I'm going to pray and pray along those lines not just as a perfunctory prayer, but as a prayer that God himself would be at work helping us. Our Father, we thank you for all we have in and through and because of your gift to us in the Lord Jesus. Thank you that our salvation is in him. Thank you that you've given us everything we need to live godly lives, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling in the light of who you are. Our Father, we do confess in our human nature, which still comes to the fore, even though we're new people in Christ, we confess it is so easy to grumble. Please help us to live out who we already are, the work you've already done within us, but are continuing to do and change us outwardly. Help us to be thankful. Please help us to be dependent. Help us to imitate the Lord Jesus. Help us through the work of your spirit, that we may shine like stars because of Christ in us. So please help us to seek to be distinctive in how we live. Father, may we actually take your word seriously. We know... We know that as we leave this place, Satan will be at work to take away the the word that's been implanted. We know that soon the likelihood is that we may forget. And I pray for some of us here that that word will be implanted and it will bear fruit. Thank you so much that you are so interested in our maturity that you have not left us without your spirit and without your word. And the Lord, the Lord Jesus reigns. Amen.